The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. Actually, I'm not coming live. We're pre recording the show today, so we don't have the phone lines open just for you guys who are wanting to call in. I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys would join us here on um, what will be Monday morning that we're going to air this. And uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you want to go over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, just head over there. And on the right side of the page, in the sidebar there, we will be going live for the second video down. You'll be able to see that it's going live right there. And uh, then the video above that is Bradley's show will be from Saturday. And he comes on at 3 p.m. Eastern. That will go live as well. While you're over there at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. We don't rent your email. We don't spam you. We don't sell it or any of that other stuff. You get one email a day. And included in that email is the archives that I talk about on the show. You get the video portion of the radio show. You get the podcast. You get any of the documents that we talk about in the website links or videos or anything like that that we use. That's all combined in the archive. You get that in the email every day. So be sure to sign up for that. Also, if you agree with the Sons of Liberty's message, go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There's a donate button. We have needs here. We're not going to hold our hands out begging you for money, but we do have needs. We let you know those needs. And if you support the message, click on the donate button and uh, make a donation. Um, and if you want to partner with us, you can become a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, set up the amount that you want to give each month, and that helps support not only what we do on the internet here or on radio, because we say that we want to make talk radio do radio. We don't want to just complain about the problems. We want to give solutions, and we want people to be the law, as it were, uh, what we see in our Constitution. Article 1, Clause 8, Section 15 is the militias, the people. They are the true law enforcers. If you want the law enforced, you're going to have to get together and do it under God, under the Constitution, do it lawfully the way we used to do in this country. So you can do that uh, by going to sonsoflibertymedia.com and uh, helping us in getting that message out. We also take our Christian and constitutional heritage not only into the public schools. Bradley's done, I think, over 360 public schools where he's given that presentation of our Christian and constitutional heritage, but also out in to churches, tea parties, just wherever anybody will have that message given all over the country uh, in all 50 states. So if you want to support that, Go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Also, final thing, there's a store button there. If you want to pick up some of our products, our T-shirts, our hats, great conversation starters, coffee mugs, water bottles, all these kinds of things, they not only support us, but they give you an opportunity to speak to others as well about these very things that we're so passionate about. Now, with that said, let me get one more thing, out, a formality out of the way. If you want to catch us online at on with other video formats, you can go to Twitter, FPPTim. Twitter, FPP Tim, Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. Our Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel, we're not using it because, well, they're fascists over there and they want to cut us off 
So we're just kind of leaving that channel alone right now. Excuse me. We're leaving that channel alone right now. And uh, but you can still subscribe to it. Bradley Dean. It'll come back up sooner or later. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, the front page right there, DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, and Cutting Edge TV on Roku. Now that we got the formalities out of the way, <laughs> we've got a very special guest today. And, uh, you know, this, this past Tuesday, when I did the show, I played the interview with Dr. Lee Merritt and our friend Alex Newman from The New American. And I, the reason I did that was I wanted to get out that interview. Uh, because the things that she was saying, she was saying was tying with a lot of the other warnings that other doctors have given about vaccinations and stuff that are coming out. We can't even really call them vaccines. I mean, Moderna calls it an operating system. Other doctors have called it a medical device. Um, and just a number of things. I think Dr. Simone Gold called it, said we should be terminate, uh, using the terminology of experimental injections. And the people are the experiment. You're the guinea pigs. So I wanted to bring that on, and I had no idea we we're going to have Dr. Merritt on so early, but I'm thrilled about that. So before we bring her on, let me give a little introduction. And I have to say, I'm very impressed with some of the things that I see here. Dr. Lee Merritt began her medical career at the age of four, carrying her father's black bag on, on house calls along the back roads of Iowa. Now, I got to say, that is a dad who takes very seriously teaching his children. I like that. In 1980, she graduated from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in New York, where she was elected to life membership in the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Uh, she completed an orthopedic, ortho, ah, orthopedic surgery residency in the United States Navy and served nine years as a Navy physician and surgeon before returning to Rochester where she was the only woman to be appointed as the Louis A. Goldstein Fellow of Spinal Surgery. She's been in the private practice of orthopedic and spinal surgery since 1995, has served on the board of the Arizona Medical Association, and is past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. There's something else that's, that is very interesting here. <laughs> At age 63, we don't, we don't want to talk about women's age, do we? I'm not going to make that an issue. But she won a female bodybuilding championship in physique class with a lot of help from her friends and patients from her family. Uh, we're, I, I promise we won't spend much time on that, but I am interested in that. She's married the proud mother of two sons, one of who carries on the four-generation uh, four medical tradition as a general surgeon and the other with a real job as an electrical engineer in her spare time, Dr. Merritt raises chickens, which my wife and I are about to order some, uh, gardens and enjoys a rural midlife or mid midlife, Midwest lifestyle. Excuse me, Dr. Merritt. Welcome to the Sons of Liberty. Oh, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, well, I I'm very interested in this. 63 years old, you win. Now, is this a bodybuilding or is this because they, they say bodybuilding and I think, you know, the Hulk looking women and you don't look like one of those or is this body sculpting kind of thing? Well, no, they're, they're different classes. So even in bodybuilding, you have the bikini class and you have the the uh, there's another one in between that and physique. There's a but physique is for the for the, the top is the what you're thinking of are the real big gals, the, the, you know, and they're not very many in a natural non-steroid competition. You don't, there was nobody in that class, quite frankly, because, you know, that's, that's, it, if you're going to do that, you really are, you're going to be doing the steroids. Um, but, but physique is the next step down from that. So you actually have to build some muscle. So that's, I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed because I, I, I read through that. Now, Alex didn't bring that part up, but I, I was, <laughs> no. I was, I was very impressed with that. I, I really was. All right. So we didn't bring you on to talk about bodybuilding, uh, <laughs> but we did bring you on to talk about the body a little bit. And that is with this whole thing that we're seeing going on. And for me, as a commentator, as somebody who uh, I'll look to the Constitution, I'll look to the Bible. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV and I haven't spent a night in uh, the Holiday Inn Express, but I, but I am a person who can learn. And so we've had, you know, several doctors on, I think probably they might take issue with uh, the difference between the germ theory and the terrain theory. But I think from my talks with um, people like Dr. Scott Jensen, uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Kerry Madej, 
We have Kate Shimrani, who was a nurse 35 years, Dr. Kevin Corbett on the show, and some others. The one thing that, that we agree on is people have to take care of themselves. They have to eat right. They, they need supplements in these days. And they need, there are treatments for when they get sick that don't require being vaccinated with experimental vaccines. So with that said, what is the history that you have that you bring to the table when you speak about what we're dealing with now with the alleged COVID deal, the SARS-CoV-2? Um, what, is, what is it that you bring to the table? What are your observations when you've looked at these things and in terms of where we've seen our government and I call them propaganda arms. That's that's my opinion of the CDC and the FDA on these things of what they're doing that releases all this tyranny on the people to lock them down, to, to shut down businesses, do all these kinds of things. What's some of the things that you bring to the table when you look at this? Well, I do have a military background. And one of the other things I did at one point uh, when I got out of the Navy, I and did and, and was done with my spine fellowship. Uh, my husband was at the Pentagon at that time. So, I mean, I was kind of married into senior military life. And um, I also spent, I think, four years on the Navy Research Advisory Committee. It's a, it was a committee that looked at, it's appointed, it's a congressional subcommittee, and you're appointed to look at defense issues for the military, technical issues. And by law, they have to have a physician on it. And just because I was only working part time, and you know, I had time to do that, and and put in for that, and got the, got the appointment, and it was really interesting. I learned a lot, but I kind of learned to be suspicious about the world around me because I realized how it can be, it how how all over the world things are happening. We're not always privy to, you know, and um, for example, years ago, Hasumi Rafsum Johnny said, you know, bioweapons are the poor man's atomic bomb, and we should consider this. That's his exact quote. And I really think probably uh, we're looking here at a, I mean, I know for a fact that we're looking here at a man-made bioweapon. I mean, it, whether it was released accidentally or in purpose, that I'm not getting into, but but I can tell you that there's just no question in my mind that this was made in a lab. Now, it doesn't mean it was completely made in a lab. You know, they take, they take natural biologic agents and they modify them. It's called gain-of-function research. So... What what I happened to me was I to make myself useful. I studied on my own. I just kind of researched what we knew about our response to bioweapons, and I found out. I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't happy with what I found out because I think there are some really bad act. There's some really bad things. And keep in mind, this was just about the time that the um, the Soviets, the, the the big wall fell down, the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, you know, Boris Yeltsin is defending the, the on the steps of the Russian White House. And we don't know where all those bioweaponeers went. The, you know, in 1971, um, Richard Nixon signed our bioweapons non-aggression pact or treaty. I think there were 179 nations that, that signed it. And then um, the Russians turned around. They signed it and turned around and created the largest bioweapons program known to mankind. I mean, they had tons of smallpox and bats. Now, smallpox, unlike this little virus, uh, and I'm not saying it can't kill people, don't get me wrong, but it is not smallpox. Smallpox is potentially 60% fatal. The, the kind that they had in bats was, I believe it was called India 11 smallpox or something. But in the name of fairness, uh, the World Health Organization, who's a big player in this, gave samples both to the CDC and to Vector in the Soviet Union because they thought, you know, detente by equal Giving you know giving a communist dictatorship a, a deadly pathogen was a good idea. Um, honestly, maybe now we can't tell the difference between Vector and, C and the CDC, but that's a whole other story. I just am saying that the um, that we the, when the when the fall when the fall of the Soviet Union happened, these bioweaponeers went to probably the highest bidders, and they probably took their little ideas and gems of germs with them. So we were in a. I realized we were in a world that had changed and. Up until that time, we really hadn't had any major bioweapon. And there's, there's, keep in mind, there's biowarfare, there's bioterrorism. Uh, you know, there are different levels of this biocrime. So, believe it or not, the first bioterrorist act on our soil happened in Oregon, and nobody really remembers this or really knows much about it. But it was with the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and it was the cult wanted to upset the po local politics, and so they put, it was either salmonella or E. coli, I haven't thought about this recently, I think it was salmonella, <clears throat> excuse me, they put in the um, salad bar at the local restaurant, and the idea was 
the locals will get sick on their Sunday after church, but the, but the cult people won't go eat there. And then when it comes to vote next Tuesday, they'll be well and they'll go vote. I mean, it was that simple, but we never figured it out. We sent our, one of the problems with bioweapons is they're so stealth. I mean, this is like warfare 5.0. Not only do you not know who the enemy is potentially, you don't even realize you're being attacked. So in that case, it was a perfect example of that where we sent our best specialists out to, from the CDC and various different places out to Oregon to look at this outbreak and figure out what was going on. And they ended up determining it was the poor chef in the restaurant who, you know, just about, I think, drunk himself to death after that. It was horrible what they did to him. But it turned out it was only when the Bhagwan ratted out the nurse in his cult that did it. They had a power structure, power struggle, and he ratted her out to the authorities. That's how we found out that it was planned. Same thing on the Eastern Front in Tularema in World War II. I mean, we've had several purposeful outbreaks of, of disease, but we never figured it out. And, and so I, I would contend that we, looking at what's happening now, we don't know completely who the enemy is. I mean, we might have our suspicions, and I, I have my worldview belief, but we can't prove it by tracing this, really. We can trace it. We can tell that it was, we can prove that it was um, first broke out in China, in, in Wuhan. We can prove that. We can prove that at first the patient zero just coincidentally was in the military hospital next to the Wuhan lab. Um, and we can prove that it was upregulated to cause all this. But what we don't know is, what we can't prove is that we're being perfect, purposely attacked. To do that, you have to either catch the perpetrator or you have to real, you know, start connecting dots. And I think there are lots of dots to, con to be connected. So that's kind of where I've been thinking about all this. Okay. All right. Now, this thing that happened with the Bhagwan, this happened like in the 80s, didn't it? Or maybe 90s? <laughs> yep. Yep, should be a lesson, but it wasn't. Yeah, because I do, I do vaguely remember that, and uh, so yeah, that's that's interesting that that's gone on. And I know that there are a, a variety of bioweapons. We've we've seen uh, some of the issues that that go on with. Um, and my computer is acting up here. I apologize. That we've seen some of the things that have have taken place with different kinds of gases uh, that would that would be biological, and those are the ones to me that I see happen happen pretty big. But something also came out with the whole COVID stuff, too. And that was there was and, and I just want to get your opinion on this. That was this rollout of the 5G technology, too, which I, I know you can find it online where it's it's set for the Chinese military to run at 60 gigahertz. They actually use it as a weapon. And so some people had theorized, hey, this stuff also can Eat up the, the I, I used the term eat up. That's very scientific of me. Um, <clears throat> take away the oxygen molecules that could cause these people that we were seeing in some of the videos to just collapse um, and, and things of that nature. There's some other stuff that goes along with that as well. And some people had theorized that this was maybe working in conjunction either by, either by itself or working in conjunction with maybe other vaccines that were being done as well. What would you say to any of that? Because we've seen during the lockdowns, both in the UK and here in the US, that while people were locked down, they're rolling out this 5G stuff. And I'm just kind of curious as to maybe what kind of uh, perspective you might have on that. Well, I think that's I think that's important. Now, I, I didn't really appreciate what this whole deal with 5G was until I was in lockdown and I had all this time to study. And, um, you know, DARPA was part of the development, of course, of this, the deep, art, deep dark arts of our own military uh, industrial complex. And if you look at what 5G has been used for, we've actually used it in um, Iraq as crowd control. That's what that's one of its design purposes was crowd control. You know, I think it's very here's what I know about 5G and its relationship to this. And I don't I think that's a, a this will be unfolding. But 5G is cleverly named to make you think, oh, it's just a more advanced version of 2G, 3G, 4G, and I'll have a better phone connectivity. That's not what it is. 5G is a completely different principle, meaning it's a completely different bandwidth, whereas lower frequencies are kind of in a gentle cloud all around us. They don't carry as much data as quickly, but but the but we as humans can't absorb data at a rate that we would need 5G. In other words, 5G, if you're going to say it does anything, it's for computers to talk to each other. It's for AI. But 5G are microwave length 
waves. Okay. They're very, very short waves. So they can carry a lot of data and they do it in short bursts. So the first thing to say when we are talking about the response to being around 5G as a human being, as a, as a biologic organism, we respond to rate of change. There's a canon's law of the body. You, the body responds to rate of change. So there, there are people that think we, we had bad things happen to us initially when we started all this radiation, whether it was electrification or cellular rollout, but it calms down because now you're, atten- you, you're accustomed to it. Your body has come to a new equilibrium, essentially. But, but 5G is not like that. 5G is, is kind of like a zapper. It looks, for, it looks for a target to send the data packet, and then it goes away, and then it looks for somebody else. So you're never going to be in a gentle wave. It's going to be a constant bursting action, which isn't good for biologic tissues. The other thing is, and, and let me just point out, just like the pharmaceutical industry is completely indemnified from any vaccine injury, the telecommunications are completely indemnified for any health injuries of their towers and of their technology. So you can sue them for aesthetics, but you can't sue them because you think you're being poisoned by the 5G tower behind your business, no matter how many reports of that we're getting. Now, what I do know is that when you put in rat studies, when you put rats in a 5G environment and you leave them there for five days, their white cells go down by 50%. And it comes back when they took the rats out. It came back when they took the rats out of the environment. But that says it, it affects your immune system. You know, your white cells are what are, are your army that goes out and fight infections so and other things. So you don't want this artificial depression of your white cells. So there's, there is that, that factor that could have raised, uh, raised our susceptibility to this. The other thing is that um, uh, um, 5G was rolled out. Oh, the other, the other thing about 5G also has been shown to kind of open up little pores or holes in your blood-brain barrier. In other words, you have a big, although you can get toxins can circulate all over your body, but the brain is very protected and we call it the blood-brain barrier. Not all drugs get through it, not, and, and, and it, it screens out a lot of toxins because it protects your brain. You need it. And this, this kind of creates porosity in the blood-brain barrier. That we also know. The other thing is that in, we know that in China, the first city to roll out 5G was Wuhan. And that the hospital had gotten, the hospital where we first saw Dr. Li in about December 15th, sneaking out videos saying something bad is happening here. It's a terrible virus. We don't know, but it's killing people. Well, all that came down right in December, and December is when the hospital was fully implemented to have 5G. The other thing I will also tell you, at least the last time I looked this up, and I don't think it's changed, that in Haifa and in uh, the where um, you know a, a lot of the uh, technologic development goes on in Israel, and in Belgium at the Hague, where the Hague is, let's see, where's the head of the EU? Is in Brussels. Sorry, they don't allow 5G. Okay, in fact. In Israel and in some cities, they've actually gotten rid of all cellular and wireless in the schools because they realize it's not healthy for their children. So so there's a lot we don't know about it. But I can say, I think personally, you know, how does how does microwave cook your food? I hear I keep hearing people saying, oh, don't worry, 5G, we use it all the time. It's in, you know, we use it in our microwave and everything. And but this is so low power, it doesn't do any of that. Well, how does, what happens when you turn down the power? You're cooking a hot dog and you turn your power way down. It just takes longer to react. We are, we are by nature, we act, we are wavelength. We react to wavelength. Okay. I mean, I can prove that as an orthopedic surgeon. When I want to build bone, if you're, if you have a fracture that's not healing, I can put on a specific wavelength generator on you and it will build bone. It'll help you feel that fracture. How does it do it? It doesn't do it directly by building bone. If you think about how it works, this is what they're doing to us. It gets, it, it reacts with your DNA to cause RNA to build bone. So don't think that wavelength is, we're immune to wavelength. No, we're, we're affected by wavelengths all the time. How it affects us is unique to the wavelength. Now, microwave wavelength cooks your food because it, it boils the water cells, essentially. The water, the water heats up. So that's why you put water around your broccoli. Dry broccoli doesn't cook as well as if it's in water. But we are 90% water or more. So, you know, we're susceptible. And how that was used, by the way, the other thing is our, our DNA is a helix and our hair follicles are helical. And they act as antennas and, and excuse me, antennas 
to take up the 5G radiation. So when 5G was used, and I think they called them poppers in Iraq initially, what they did is they set these things. If the town square was being, you know, a lot of people there, they wanted to get them out of there. They could turn on these machines and they would radiate 5G and, and talking, you know, they've had some soldiers that got into the beam by accident and they say, it's horrible. It just feels because it's taken up by every hair follicle in your body. You feel like you're on fire. Wow. That's the potential of this. Now, you know, and I've heard, I've heard, I mean, is it, it is, so it is, let's just say it, it is a potential directed energy weapon. And that's one of the things. The other thing we haven't been talking this whole thing is the out, the rolling out or implementation of directed energy weapons. They're, directed energy weapons are, are, are online and they're probably being used. And this is potentially one of them. And I heard a, a, a you know, and, and I met, she, she, um, she's knowledgeable. When you, this, this is a person that was a, a PhD candidate in nuclear physics working at CERN. She sounds a little paranoid when you see her videos, but she does make a good point. And she made me, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're out and they're not out to get you. Right. She makes a good point. She says, um, if we don't deal with this right now, we have a window of opportunity. If we don't deal with the potential threat of 5G right now, there will come a time when this is implemented. You know, it has to be on every 200 to 400 foot posts. It'll be set up on every post in their city, every tree in the forest, and think of it as an AK-47 that's potentially directing at your family. It's just that simple. And I think she has a point. These are potential directed energy weapons. And whether or not this played a huge role in this, I can't say for sure, but I don't think it's benign. I think we, I think we need to wake up to the risks of 5G and, in general, the risk of, of wavelength uh, you know, there's a whole issue now of wavelength medicine that started in the 20s and 30s near Mia in Elkhorn, Nebraska, a guy named Royal Rife, brilliant guy who showed how he could cure diseases with wavelengths by killing the bacterium, killing the tuberculosis bacterium, certain wavelengths, but not, didn't harm you because you're at a different wavelength. You know, it's very interesting stuff. And the Germans are now uh, researching that. I think they're kind of the lead agents of this. So there's a lot to be said about wavelengths. And we shouldn't think this is just benign. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not affecting us. So I think more, I think more openness, you know, what I'm always about is transparency and honesty and your right to choose. Well, if they put these things all around you, you don't have a right to choose. And if yep. you can't sue them and you can't talk to them, I mean, and they're not open and transparent, what are we dealing with here? Well, and I think it, I think it really falls outside the, the vaccination companies and also uh, the the technology companies, uh, telecommunications, for them to have immunity, uh, you know, when when their products are causing people harm, that go that stands in stark contrast to to what our um, constitution holds, because the law is supposed to be equally weighed out. Now, I that's completely different than somebody, a gun manufacturer, which are trying to equate stuff like that. A gun manufacturer, well, a gun manufacturer makes a gun. Everybody knows it it can be used. For, for good things, stopping bad guys can be used for murder, committing crimes, all these other things. But that relies solely upon the person. But the gun manufacturer can be held responsible if the guy goes and gets a new gun and shoots it and it blows up and it harms him in some way. He can he can come to them. You can't do any of this with this other. Now, we've had uh, Kate Shimarani. She's our health and wellness expert. She was just blasted in the news in the UK because she came out and pointed out it rolled out in Wuhan what what this 5G stuff did and then this leads to another another question and this gets maybe to the difference between you know say somebody like a, a Dr. Andrew Kaufman and Dr. Cowan who've come out and said you know they didn't go through the full process of isolation and so therefore they haven't made a a a, a proof of this they've done it with other things we've had our own registered nurse uh, Suzanne Hamner who writes for us who says they even found human genome 8 in that um, and so we have some of these things. So I'm wondering, there's a there's a possibility in my mind that they got us looking in one area, not that they don't develop these bioweapons, but they got us looking in one area while they're doing the AK-47 thing, like you said, all around us. And so I want to ask you, what would happen to a person besides the hair follicle deal, feeling like they're on fire? What would happen to them if they're if they have radiation poisoning from this 5G? Would they have some of the effects that we that we're seeing with some people that they're saying these, these kinds of things happen with alleged COVID vic victims. 
Well, again, because we're not doing studies, we're not being, we're not looking at them in a in a scientific way. We don't completely know what five G will do to us, and and um, but but let's just look at what happened recently. This is not too many years ago when we had our people in Cuba that kept complaining about all these odd things happening to them, and they felt they had headaches. They, you know, they had all these different symptoms, right? And they 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 felt that there was a directed energy weapon being used against them. They could never really prove it, I think, but they brought these people back to America and through advanced studies and I don't know, you know, what they did exactly, but they concluded that there was probable cause to think they had been blasted with some directed energy, that that was what caused all these variable symptoms. And keep in mind, you know, unfortunately medicine isn't like a game of monopoly where everything's laid out all at once. So like the Gulf War syndrome, I mean, I tell people this story about the Gulf War syndrome, which is, it's not 5G, but it does show you kind of some of why we need to be always looking. You know, we had these guys come back from the Gulf War and they had all these symptoms. And at first, in fact, one of my friends was the lead investigator for a while from the Navy on this. And at first they thought it was just psychological because they had everything from male pattern baldness to muscle aches and pains to rashes that couldn't just were, you know, any one of these symptoms taken by themselves um, wouldn't be much, but we started seeing patterns. And one of the things that forced them to look at this more deeply was that the Gulf War syndrome people were developing ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, at four times the background noise. Now, that's a fatal neurologic disease. I know it's still an issue because my friend who's a vet gets a, who was exposed to, to what I'm going to tell you happened, uh, still gets a, a letter saying, and keep in mind, you're at four times the risk of ALS, blah, blah, blah. So I know it's still a real deal. Well, after they finally found out that the people suffering from Gulf War syndrome all got their, their vaccine from one batch of the anthrax vaccine. Remember, anthrax vaccine was kind of a new deal, right? Rush, rush because of the Gulf War. Right. And, um, and so they got their, their, their thing from, they found it was one batch. And that's why reservists had a higher rate of this problem than active duty, even though we had more active duty in the field. So um, what happened was they found that it was, they had used an adjuvant in the Gulf War anthrax vaccine called squalene. And, and squalene, it occurs in shark cartilage, olive oil. I mean, it's a naturally occurring product, but we don't normally inject it into ourselves. And later, I think it was LSU or Tulane published a paper where they looked at Gulf War syndromes and age match controls. The controls had 0% anti-squalene antibodies, and the Gulf War syndrome people had, I think, over 96% anti-squalene antibodies. So those are not mishy-mashy numbers. It's golf. The Gulf War syndrome was caused by the squalene adjuvant in the anthrax vaccine. Mm. That's my conclusion, and I think that's everybody's conclusion that's really looked at this. Well, what happened? Uh, you know, so they were, the FDA and CDC were kind of beat up about ever using this. And they said, oh, we don't use silly anti-vaxxers. We don't use it in these American vaccines ever. Until a few years ago, they put it in the, in the, in the flu ad vaccine. Okay. They, they put squalene as the adjuvant in the flu ad vaccine and they didn't label it as squalene. They labeled it the lab name MF57 or MF59. And it, so your doctor doesn't know it's in there. And even if he did, he might not realize this history. So we have a, we have a problem with, you know, we have a, we have a general problem in our world and it's, it's being, it's when I, you know, I'm not against chemical progress, but we have a problem when we, we do things that affect a lot of people and we're not transparent about what we're doing. And we don't really look at the long-term studies before we do it. And it's, that's what's rolling out right now. They're pushing the current therapies for COVID with no human trials, really, except you and me. Um, so it, it, it says that there's a big, I mean, that's, and that's the same thing with 5G. They, they don't, they didn't do it in a small area for any period of time. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the, I really don't want to be the first guy in a rocket ship to the, to Mars. I don't want to be the first guy in a new technologic car. And I don't really want to be the first guy to take uh, to have my house surrounded with 5G. Because I think over time, what happens over time, same thing with vaccines, same thing with almost any drug. Over time, it proves itself. Either it's safe and effective or it, or it's effective but not safe. You know, we find out over time. And we are, we're as a humanity being subjected and we can argue who this is doing to us, but there seems to be a constant march to subject us to questionable humanity damaging technology. And I think 5G is one of them. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I'm just kind of shaking my head here because all this stuff we've covered on the show, the squalene, uh, Kate has brought that out. People, 
People have said this is a problem. Mark Steele has been on. He developed the blast shields over in the UK because they were so full of radiation. He said they were going to burn the, the pilot's eyes out and we had to tone that down. And that's why, you know, I use the, the blue light blockers even because I'm working around the computer screens all day. So right. all this stuff has been out there. I'm glad because you've had no, I, I don't think you've had any interaction with either of those guys or, or no. any of the people we've had on. And you're saying the same things. As a matter of fact, you're saying it probably a little more forceful uh, as to what's going on. Now, the reason I ask that is to lead up to the stuff with, with, that we're dealing with now. Um, in your interview with, with Alex, you mentioned um, in the bioweapons of taking viruses and putting little proteins on there that I, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that if somebody got that into their body and they, be, and they became sick or not, whatever, they get this vaccine, this not a vaccine. They, they get these injections that they're putting out that they're experimenting on the public with um, that somehow it does something to their immune system. It switches something off. We already know that it's turning off the whatever it is in your body that fights off cancer. So there's going to be a lot of people, from my understanding, who are going to get cancer as a result of getting these injections. But you were saying something of it switches it off so that if they get hit with a, a second wave of it or another form of it or something like that, yeah. they're they're just not going to be able to fight it off. Can can you explain that just a little bit? Well, okay. So just to, to be clear about what we're dealing with here is that this SARS and, and I I'd love to talk to Andy Kaufman, Doctor Kaufman, about this because he's a really smart guy and this whole idea that there are no viruses. It's actually our background, you know environment that's causing things. I, I th it's interesting. I just can't quite, I can't wrap my head around that and what's happening. But I do believe coronavirus, we've at least described in the past, we, we knew it. It's called coronavirus because it, it has a crown on it. Okay. And that's the spike protein. But so we've always had coronavirus and it's always had a spike protein, but it was never deadly. It can only get into your nose, right? What has made it deadly is and we can trace the, the, the patents on this. We can trace the science on this. They managed to cut the genome in such places, specific places, that made these little, what they call furin cleavages. They're little cleavages in the head of this, this corona, this, the, the crown of the, of the coronavirus now. And that makes this able to fit into a human pathway called the ACE2 pathway. So it's like a lock and key. Okay. One of the reasons we know this just didn't evolve from bats naturally is because this, per, you don't evolve things to perfectly fit the human on its first trial. This came out fully formed to perfectly fit our ACE2 pathway. And it doesn't fit the bats, by the way. It can't go back and live in bat cells, apparently. So that, that's all just propaganda nonsense. When they do that, one of the problems, they, you know, obviously bioweaponeers chose this, this coronavirus for a reason. So there's a problem with, uh, uh, it's called immune enhancement. And so let's say that, and you get the, let's say you get the virus naturally. You get even this modified virus. We've never, we don't talk about it with the old coronavirus, but in the modified virus, there's a fam, there are families of viruses that have some risk of this, even in nature, that you get the virus and instead of developing, instead of your body developing a good, strong, robust tissue immunity so you never get it again, it develops a weird antibody response that doesn't kill the, kill the virus, but it coats it. So it hides the virus from your killer cells, okay, essentially. So, so think of this, if, so, well, to, to finish that, so what happens in this experimental I call it an experimental genetic agent. You get this agent, and instead of your natural immune system being ready to go, you know, we have a good immune system. We've lived for a millennia with the good immune system to fight off natural pathogens, right? But we are not letting that work here. What we're doing is giving you a modified response, and that modified response has has the potential to do the wrong thing. And the wrong thing would be instead of killing the virus when it comes around again, it would be coating the virus and causing it to replicate in your system unchecked. So your body doesn't see it. And quite frankly, this is called immune enhancement. They, they call it antibody dependent enhancement. Um, and that's what killed the animals in the animal studies. Let's, let's make sure we understand that the animal studies were not successful with mRNA technology in the past. 
We've never successfully completed animal studies in, on this technology because it killed the animals by just this mechanism. Dr. They Mary, didn't die. Can, can, I get you to, vaccine. can I get you to just to clarify something in that with yeah. the animal studies? This was on the one where they actually had the SARS-CoV, the first one, right? right? Uh, can, you, right. can you elaborate Sorry. just a little bit to clarify that for the audience? Sure. Right. So they looked at SARS. Well, they've actually just bypassed it for this. Okay. But yeah, they, SARS was a concern and SARS, I don't think was a bioweapon. At least it looks like it was, it, we found natural hosts and things for it. So it's, it doesn't have the same, same category. But anyway, they were worried about it coming back. So what they did is they, they, we worked on these type of technology for the vaccines. We in our country worked on cats and subsequently ferrets and rats. And I think maybe maybe rabbits or chimpanzees or something, but the big ones were ferrets and cats because cat, they have a natural affinity for coronavirus and they have problems with it. So you give the animal the vaccine, no problem. Then you expose them to the virus, the SARS-1 virus that we wanted them to be immune to. And instead of becoming immune, their body made this stylized antibody response and it went out and grabbed this virus, coated it. And I'm, I'm, you know, it didn't exactly work that way. I'm just making a, 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 a kind of a metaphor, but it grabs, it coated the virus. So when it came into the, to the, your cells that would kill it, they didn't see it. And so the virus just multiplied unchecked in the body and killed the animal with, with, with this inflammatory overshoot, this just huge infection. And they died with, with cardiac failure. Now, when you mentioned these guys dropping over in China, I don't think that was 5G, although that, again, might have played a role to, to act to make it worse. I'm concerned, my personal concern is that those, we didn't test the SARS vaccine on humans. We wrote about this problem. A guy named Reno Rapoli specifically said, never, ever, ever bypass long-term animal testing when working with these kinds of technologies and these kinds of pathogens. But we heard that the Chinese had tried it on people. And unfortunately, we tend to try things on military recruits and prisoners and people that are in a controlled environment. So they, they tried it, I think, they may have tried it on their military recruits. And when we were seeing, because we were seeing five to one male to female ratio and of, of their deaths in general, and we saw these young men, healthy looking, thin, shouldn't have been at risk from this virus, dropping over like rocks on the street. I mean, face plant on concrete. You cannot get an actor to do that. So I think maybe they were people that had gotten this vaccine years later. They had the, the vaccine in their system. They got exposed to the virus and it overwhelmed them because a couple pathology reports sneaked out that said they died with overwhelming sepsis and cardiac failure. That's what we heard. That's what we saw with the cats. Okay. And so and I think that may be what's going on here. But here's my point about this whole thing. Just like we entered the nuclear age, you don't go back. You know, you can't return the, the, to, the, to the age of 1920s when we had no nuclear bombs. And just like now, we're in the age of biowarfare. And we can't go back. So things can be produced in the future that we don't even have a clue about right now. The issue here is that the, what they're, the way that we're going down, the, what we're doing about that is completely wrong. We, we are not, you can't, you, a tactic, you know, just like we built bomb shelters for the nuclear bombs, but we didn't live in them expecting out, you know, we don't we don't live in them. It's not a, it's not a solution to live in a new, in a bomb shelter in the nuclear age, and it's not a solution to live in masks and in your basement in the age of viral warfare. That can't be a solution. You can't take down all of society with the potential for this. This particular virus is ninety nine point nine nine one percent worldwide survivable. Why on earth are we doing all these things? And then the second part of this is why on earth are we not telling people what we know makes a difference? So, for example, we know we knew back at the time of SARS that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine made a difference. Okay, that they could be used for treatments. We learned that. Uh, we saw it in the science. We didn't pursue it. We knew that we knew for decades that vitamin D levels make a difference to your uh, viral uh, response. Did the CDC tell people to use vitamin D early on, which would have cost them nothing? No. You know, why not? You know, the Indonesians, I kept waiting for the CDC to, to look at who are these people dying and compare them to the people not dying. And it was only the Indonesians that did that. And they looked at it and they found that the people in their ICU or dead in a hospital test of about 800 people, they were people with, with low vitamin D, below 30 nanograms per, per, per milliliter, I think. And that's a very low number. But you cannot raise it by being in the sun if you, unless you live naked on the equator in a loincloth. 
you have to take supplements. That would have been a simple thing to tell us. You have to take zinc. 50% of the people dead have a deficient zinc. So the answer going into the future is simply to improve our own immune system and have the potential treatment early on in our back pocket. The other thing we know is that hydroxychloroquine and probably ivermectin, but I think we know more about the hydroxychloroquine in this regard, given as prophylaxis, is extremely effective. You know, we, again, if you think we're at war, which I do, I think we're in an, this, this, all this thing, which you're talking about, 5G, um, you know, directed energy weapons of other types, the, the virus, our economic takedown, um, masks. Masks is a, is a weapon against us. It divides humanity. It makes us less human. All these things are part of a huge psychologic, economic, cybersecurity warfare. Yep. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, look, we could take and we could play, and I'm sure you've heard it, uh, Bill Gates. I mean, he's the guy who seems to be, have his hand in so many pies um, <clears throat> with, he's buying up land, agricultural land. He's trying to make fake meat. I don't even know what that is. Um, he's trying to push the vaccines that he's take. He's really, in essence, his foundation has received by government stealing it from the people through taxation and giving it to him and investing that in these vaccines, pushing those, which we know in Africa, the studies have shown uh, some of the, the vaccines that they gave to the young girls. It was killing more of the girls than the, than the disease for the vaccine was designed to do. And so we have that kind of stuff. We have him saying that if we do a good job on vaccines and, and I don't know, uh, reproductive health and this, and we can reduce, not we can extend life and grow life on the planet. We can reduce it by 10 to 15%. Now, those are his words, not mine. And we also know that we have the Georgia Guidestones that talk about depopulation. I just say it's premeditated murder. That's what they want to do. They want to kill off the people. And from the Sons of Liberty standpoint, we go to the Bible. That's the enemy of our soul, Satan. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so when we see all this coming together, there's another component in it. You just said it about economic. And this 5G working with it, uh, I believe it was Catherine Austin Fitz, who was head of HUD years ago, has come out and kind of brought all this together. She said, you know, they're doing this compartmentalization, vaccine over here, disease over here, then the financial thing over here. But she says, when you start bringing it together, there's this great reset. And it was a, a wonderful thing that Alex pointed out when he was on the show. He said, this isn't just a financial reset. It's a reset of society as a whole. Everything that we do, religion, uh, monetary stuff, healthcare, all this, it's a reset of all of it. And so do you see that also coming? Because it seems to me that in your interview, and I'd like for you to clarify, but it seems to me that you were looking, if these people are taking these vaccines and it's doing, it's sort of masking or camouflaging or making stealth these viruses or these, these things that are in our bodies, whatever you know road you go down on that, then... When this other thing comes along, are we not looking at potentially millions of Americans, let alone people around the world, who are going to get sick and die? Well, yeah. I mean, there's multiple ways that can happen. It, let's, we'll just start at the bottom and work up. We know that this is caught, that these, like, I'm just going to look at the Pfizer, but we, we, we know that already using VAERS, the, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, that this this these agents are producing 71% of the deaths of all vaccine injury being reported right now. And they've only been out for a few months. At the bottom, we know that there's a chemical in here in, called PEG. And, I'm, and this is in the Moderna, Pfizer, and um, uh, AstraZeneca. I can't comment on the J&J &J and those others. But those three are the, using the mRNA technology, and they basically use this polyethylene glycol, which many people are allergic to. So we're seeing higher rates of anaphylaxis. So let's just look at that. If we, if we look at what has happened so far with that anaphylaxis, and anaphylaxis can kill you. That's the one where, you know, the person's allergic to shrimp, they eat a shrimp, and suddenly they can't breathe, they turn blue, and if they don't get to immediate medical care, they can die. Now, we in America, by the way, notice that you have to have these injections in a place where you can have immediate resuscitation. You can't just have them at your doctor's office. You know, you have to have them in some place that can resuscitate you. And I think that's an interesting point. 
But if you project this rate of anaphylaxis across the world, you're looking at over 14 million people. That's just one way of going down with this. The second one is, as you may have heard from Dr. Wodarg and uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Yaden, who was the former senior science yep. advisor. And they, you know, they're saying it can make antibodies to a woman's placenta. They go through the science. I won't do it here, but they go through the science of why that's true. A woman's placenta. So you take the vaccine and then two years later, you want to have a baby and you can't because you keep making antibodies to the placenta and keep losing the child. And it makes antibodies to a, to a, to, to men's sperm. So infertility. So what you're talking about, fertility rates go down. Um, the second thing is, the the potential this is a perfect binary weapon uh, you know a binary weapon what's a binary weapon it's a weapon where or binary poison where if i want to kill you i give you part 1 and then i walk away i could be 500 miles away so when you accidentally come across part 2 and it becomes a poison in your system i'm so long gone you can't blame me this vaccine okay the non vaccine this agent you you take part 1 and then when the trigger comes around it takes you down or it takes a percentage of people down that could be like we, you know, that could be what we saw again in Wuhan. So that's that's a problem. And then we're already seeing uh, there's another thing called pathogenic priming that we see with this type of technology and these type of viruses, where it actually kills you through um, just making you more susceptible to almost any disease. I mean, you just can get sicker than you would have had you not had this kind of priming to your immune system. And then we don't know. Then the other problem is when they looked at this type of technology, there's a very, you know, when we, any drug, there, any drug has a safety, you know, a safety range. Okay. At the bottom, it's ineffective. If I give you, uh, let's say aspirin there, if I give it at such a low dose that you don't get enough, it does nothing, then it's ineffective. So the, so we know what the effective lower limit is. And let's say it's 82 milligrams That's or 81 milligrams. That's a baby aspirin. And that's kind of the lowest level we use in clinical use. So let's say that's the lowest level, but the highest level is we know that it takes, you know, I don't know how many grams to, uh, to hit a level that you can have bleeding disorders or toxicity from the aspirin, right? Almost everything can make you toxic if you give it long enough or give it in high enough doses. So for, for our drugs, we like to have the margin of safety. That's what we call it. The margin of safety be quite large from the low, low effective range to where, what we would kill people with. The margin of safety for this is quite small because at the low level, you get antibody-dependent enhancement, and at the high level, you get autoimmune disease because the other problem here is we're giving people agents, DNA and RNA, DNA and the Johnson & Johnson, RNA and these others, which we know are associated with autoimmune disease if, the, if these strands linger around too long, and we are giving them in such a way we're made to linger around too long. So in your big picture here, there are lots of ways this could potentially decrease the population. And anybody that thinks this is just conspiracy theory, they need to do some reading because it goes a long way back to the Rockefeller Institute writings, to, um, you know, the not just the Georgia Guidestones, which are kind of creepy and say that we should have the world at 500 yes. million people, which means they would have to kill 7.5 million people. Yep. You know, that's, that's a lot of people. So... The, the, we have African, I, I, I heard some African, um, either vice president or president of some nation down there, it might have been Nigeria, but he said, isn't it interesting that the, that these, that the do-gooder kind of billionaires always come over here with things that end up sterilizing people? Yep. And he was talking about, you know, um, like the tetanus tox, the tetanus vaccine that has been targeting recently from, this is Gavi, which is Bill Gates's foundation, I mean, Bill Gates's big vaccine uh, organization. It, it targeted young women. Now, in the Philippines specifically, they made a point that though there was an outbreak of tetanus in the Philippines, but it was men. If it was at all there, it, men get tetanus. Most women are not the high risk people for this, but they were targeting young men, women with a vaccine program to push the tetanus vaccine. Yeah, Dr. Same Merritt. thing in Africa, same thing in, in South America. Dr. And Merritt. then when they let me let me interject here. Um, okay. We're we're running out of time here. Okay, Do you sure. want to stay over a couple of minutes, or can you stay over a couple of minutes? Sure, I can stay a couple. Minutes okay, then go ahead. Here's day. here's what I want to do before we close out. Uh, ten. I'm going to give uh, ten seconds here. I'll just go ahead and promote you. Uh, if you want to find out more about Dr. Merritt, um, go to Dr. Dr. Lee Merritt M E R R I T T dot com. She is with America's Frontline Doctors. You guys are familiar with her. 
And uh, she's going to hang over a few minutes to just finish up our, our thoughts here. And then on Tuesday, we're going to have Dr. Carrie Midday back with us. She said, just for me, she's going to get up really early and be alive. So, Lord willing, we'll talk to you at 6 a.m. See ya. Okay, uh, Dr. Merritt, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we were running out of time there, and I'm glad that you could stay over with us. Do you want to finish your thought in that? Sure. I mean, you want me to do it right now? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that they found HCG in the tetanus vaccines. So we know there's no reason for HCG, which is a hormone, um, which can be used as uh, for essentially to stop pregnancies or to, to, to keep women from getting pregnant. You know, they found these things that were, and women were reporting, they couldn't get pregnant or they lost the baby. So you have to, you have to wonder why this is there. You know, we, we know that we're being given huge amounts of aluminum in our children's vaccines. Why? What is it there for? What's our point here? And, and that's my big point is that when you talk about the, the, the global depopulation agenda, the Billionaires Club talk about this all the time. You know, Prince Philip said uh, famously, I want to, when I'm dead, I want to come back, be reincarnated as a germ so I could kill 90% of the world's population. They see us as a, as a blight on the world. We have the, the, the green movement to, you know, climate. What is the whole point about climate change and climate, this whole climate action? They want to decrease CO2. And the only way you can decrease CO2 is to it ultimately to zero. Bill Gates has a innovating to zero TED talk. Well, zero means nobody's out there breathing because CO2 is the, is the stuff of life, both for plants and animals. We breathe it out. They take it in. We are at some of the lowest CO2 levels in the history of the world. Plants are not being optimized. Why do you think the, the marijuana growers pump CO2 into their tents to grow better plants? Because there's not enough. In, see, I mean, we have hemp wild in my part of the country, but it would grow better if there were more CO2, as would our crops. We don't, we're not realizing that we're at a world low on CO2, not a world high. Why are they doing all this? Well, I think you're exactly right. They're, I think it is premeditated murder. I don't even like using depopulation anymore. They, they're right. orchestrating this. This is coming out of not just the, the guys in the back rooms, the Rockefellers and the Gates and stuff like this. You know, we got Gates wanting to, you know, basically hide the sun. Well, how, how is that helpful right. to humanity? That doesn't make any sense. They're spraying this these this aluminum and other things in the air, and they go, "Oh, it's not to worry. It's not like regular aluminum. It's something else." Or they they used to put the mercury in the vaccine. Oh, it's not like the mercury that's really bad for you. And, and you're just going, you know, I was born on a day, but it wasn't yesterday. And what you're saying doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think there there is real conspiracies. They're on record as saying this is what they're going to. You read the Rockefeller Foundation's document from what a decade ago. Were they Operation Lockstep and pushing these things of of these pa these pandemics is what I I say they are uh, pushing this kind of stuff in order to advance that kind of agenda and it really doesn't make any sense to me unless it's a spiritual warfare that we're in it's not just these guys because nobody thinks like this the average person right, doesn't think right. like these people so with that said. You've got all this kind of coming at us from different angles. You've got it in the food. I mean, I talked about right. Bill Gates and the fake meat, but you've got all these GMOs that are happening. We don't really know all of the long-term effects of those things either, the GMO foods that we eat, um, or all of the, well, we do know some of the effects of uh, eating a lot of this processed foods and fast foods and things like that. We do have a good idea of what that does to us. And I think that lowers our immune system too to a lot of this stuff. So that when they're ready to strike, they can they can do whatever. They can do it even silently. You were talking about whether it's a bioweapon or or the 5G or any of these kinds of things. And so, you know what? I, I'd love to have you back on if we can get you back on because you're a wealth of knowledge in a lot of that stuff. And I know I probably sprung the 5G thing on you. You weren't expecting that, but you were just going right along with the stuff that we've already uncovered in this. And I think it just solidifies in the in the listener's mind that, hey, you know, Tim wasn't just out there just tossing National Enquirer stuff here. We always go back to documents and to scientific papers and other things that people are doing. Other countries around the world are shutting or are, are petitioning to shut down 5G. You mentioned Israel and uh, Belgium, which, uh, <clears throat> what do I say? Uh, that is the deep state as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, so if, if those if those people are catching on to what's going on there, that ought to tell the rest of the world anything. Uh, Dr. Merritt, is there anything else that you want to close out with that maybe uh, you have a warning for people? One of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you about, and, I, and maybe you can answer it as you close out. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny said that once people get these vaccines in their body, they're not going to detox from it. But there are some things that they can help slow it down. And she mentioned three or four things. Uh, I think vitamin D was one of those issues and some other things that that people could take to slow it down. Uh, but maybe you want to speak to that and then also maybe some some parting words that you have uh, for us. Sure. I mean, we, we know some things that make a difference. So I'll just tell you our and, and again, uh, my website, there's no period after the doctor, but it's drleemerit.com. We, we, we can give you a handout about this. It's the nine supplements everyone should take. And what it really boils down to is between we don't get everything we need in our nutrients and you can and, and from the sun. So it boils down to this. If you take if you get your vitamin D level above 30 and preferably above 60 to get the anti-cancer effect, you cut your risk down enormously. Like, like by 96% of dying. So that's a big deal. So get 10,000 units a day is what I take. You can't just take standard medicine. Again, it's trying to kill you. We're telling you the Institute of Medicine would have you take 400 units a day. That's not enough to stop adult rickets. I say that as an orthopedic surgeon. It's not enough. We recommend officially 5,000. I'm saying I take 10,000. Take it for a while if you haven't been on it. And then, and then sometime get a level with your doctor. The other thing is, uh, and don't, don't, this is not official medical advice. This is just what I do and what I recommend for my patients. Zinc, uh, 30 milligrams a day at least. Um, selenium turns out to be birth control for viruses. It's, it's like, but it's, it's deficient in Chinese soils, by the way, but you don't want to go too much on that, but there's like 200 to 220 micrograms. Um, and quercetin is a big anti-inflammatory. It's kind of like turmeric, but the, the, the Dr. McCullough and, and Bruce Lenk, these guys are using quercetin in their protocol, 500 milligrams a day. Um, and vitamin C. You know, vitamin C is like the ammunition for your white cell army. It doesn't help to take it all at once in the morning. You have to kind of dribble it in through the day. And I, in the winter, I've started making them. I just get some, I like the GNC uh, chewable, and I just put it by my computer, and all day long I take it. So I probably get four grams by the end of the day. So that's, that's kind of a, a thing that everybody can do. And you can mitigate, you know, it's not that you can't do things. I'd love to talk to you about masks. Masks are an evil takedown. They're occult symbols. Amen. They're not having anything to do with the, yep. the treatment here. But you can mitigate your environment by humidity. Humidification works. HEPA filters work. Okay. All right. Do, speaking of the mask, and I don't want to, like, take up all your time here, even though I'm finding a lot of the conversation fascinating. But speaking of the mask, though, I mean, even the boxes, now they're starting to remove the information that was on there. It says this doesn't stop this coronavirus. Doesn't work. Yeah. And, and, and it's like there's once they're caught red handed, we've seen it with the Vera's reports. I mean, what is that? One to five percent. That's only one one to five percent of those that have these adverse effects or deaths are actually reported, which means you you have to you know, extrapolate that out at a bigger rate of what they're showing us. I, I did a, a show on a Thursday that showed the VARES report. I went through it. There was about 460 deaths just that were reported in January with about 3,000 total adverse effects reports. And then by Monday, they had put out another report on the CDC did, but it wasn't in the VARES report. This is the interesting thing. They put out another report on that Thursday, after I did the show, and I, I saw it on Sunday, I think it was. So I did the show on Monday, and I said, here's CDC saying there's nearly 1,200 people that have died in the United States that they're reporting um, that, that have died after taking the COVID injections from the middle of December to the first week in February with, I don't know how many, twelve or 15,000 Adverse effects. They were, but they weren't part of the VAERS report. They were just in the CDC's own thing. And this is why I say I think they're a propaganda arm, you know, for health tyranny, if you will, or medical tyranny, whatever you want to call it. And um, I, I think one of the things that we have to do as a people, we've got to come alongside and say, wait a minute, these things aren't authorized in our constitution. And so why is our money going here for them to put out propaganda and and even mandates? We've got a judge saying their eviction mandates were 
you know, they're wanting to make property owners pay for taxes and upkeep of houses when people can't pay them the rent for their property. This is coming from the CDC. Now they're saying mass mandates or you could be criminally charged. I don't know where they're getting their authority. I think we've got to take care of our bodies, yes, but we've got to do something also as a people to say, we're just not going to let you go down this road with it. Yeah, we've got to stand up. You know, the CDC actually owns more leases than anyone else in the country. They own these properties. They, it's crazy. That's why they're able to control, but that's another whole story. But the issue, you know, the, the, I'll just say, and, and you can call me crazy, but just, just point this out. Why would anybody, you know, I went, when I started with AFLDS, America's Frontline Doctors, they just asked me, they, they saw me talking about masks online and they asked me to come out and give a scientific talk on masks, which I did. It was immediately censored. You know, I have, I'm, I, I've been censored almost everywhere for that mask talk. Why do they get so exercised about masks? McGill University just singled me out to say how unscientific my mask beliefs were, even though I might be a good orthopedic surgeon. They said, McGill University, McGill, this is a big name university. These are like a a, a group of six or 10 PhDs at McGill University that write, you know, walk away from AFLDS and they single me out purposely. I'm going to tell you, masks are the key to our to our takedown, and we have to take first our world back by getting rid of the masks. And I heard this, and I I've, I've read this, and I've got to say, it's a little creepy, but it is true apparently that in satanic rituals, they do three things: they wash their hands, they wear masks, and they stand six feet apart. Wow! This cannot wow. be an accident. I'm sorry. There's too much of this going around. There's too much symbolism. Yep. That is crazy and creepy here, but masks shouldn't be an issue. If you want to wear one, wear one. But there's so much evidence they don't work. We we never thought they worked. And what your point is, they've scrubbed the literature. Things I could find before are gone. They've scrubbed things off DARPA about 5G. They've 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 taken down things, even that other like like a Forbes article that somebody referred to. One of the other doctors AFLDS referred to. They're making, they're cutting, they're changing their history and they're backtracking to try and change our worldview to something that they want us to believe. Yep, that's exactly right. This is this is straight out of Orwell's 1984, the Ministry of Truth and the memory hole stuff. I mean, there you couldn't you couldn't even make this stuff up if uh, if you know that if you've read that book, th- this looks like all of that stuff. Uh, Doctor Merritt, if you will, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you after I close out the show tomorrow. Lord willing, Carrie Midday is going to be on with us. You don't want to miss that. 6 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, we'll see you. God bless you.